someday in the not too distant future, you'll unfold your iPhone to summon your Apple car, hop in and head to the office where you'll don a pair of Apple glasses so you can join an international FaceTime meeting. It all involves technology that isn't quite ready yet, but when will it be ready? Find out in this episode of the Macworld Podcast, where it's all about future tech. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross and Michael Simon. Before we jump into it, we have a word from our sponsor, Declutter. Upgrading your device soon? Declutter is the fast, easy, and totally free way to sell mobile phones, iPads, MacBooks, Apple Watches, and much more. Declutter pays up to 33% more than carriers, locks your valuation in for 28 days, and pays you quickly by PayPal or direct deposit. Visit macworld.com slash trade in and use the code macworld10, that's macworld10, to get 10% extra for your trade in. That's macworld.com slash trade in and use the code macworld10 for an extra 10% with declutter. So in the next few months, we'll probably see a new iPhone, new MacBook Pros, new Apple Watches, and maybe even iPads. Uh, the rumors have been flying about what we could see in those products, but we thought we'd go several steps further into the future and talk about uh, exciting developments we can see from Apple, stuff that has been rumored about, but nothing concrete has surfaced, or stuff that would be Apple's interpretation of, a, of new technology that exists now, but is yet to really take off. Uh, we're talking about stuff like augmented reality devices. How's that for a segue? A little, a little clunky. I'll, I'll give it like a like, like a seven. Is that all right? <laughs> that's that's fine. It's you no, know, it wasn't very elegant. But uh, AR right now involves using a device like an iPhone, iPad that you basically have to kind of hold up in front of you. There are virtual reality goggles out there right now. Yeah, uh, VR, AR, quite, they're quite, you know, the goggles are different than the, I guess the closest thing is that lowest, like Snapchat spectacles, like is that, that's kind of AR. That's not at all AR. That's, that's 0% AR. It's, it's a camera on glasses. It's, that's all it is. Like it doesn't overlay. No, and 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 that and Google Glass, even when they overlay something, it's a heads-up display. It doesn't. I got you. Shift and move to stay anchored in the real world. Yeah. So by AR, what we mean is it puts computer-generated graphics in the real world, and you can do that with your phone. There's cool stuff to do it with your phone, but there's something. There's an immediate disconnect when you're looking at the a video of the real world on your phone screen with graphics on it as you move around your phone and and nobody wants to hold their phone up in front of their face all the time. So it really has to be glasses to make this or goggles or something um, to make this work. And things like Microsoft's HoloLens is totally it or Magic Leap, which went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, well, cause it's not, I mean, first of all, it's crazy expensive and the applications are more for businesses and construction and not really for people. They tried very briefly to make it like games and stuff. and it's just not, that's not, it's not, that's not what it is. And they realize quickly that it's not for that. It, it, yeah. It's not ready for that yet. It's right. not, they haven't found a way to drive the price down to manufacture them in significant numbers to make it, to, to get that scale working for them and stuff to build app platforms for that. Um, HoloLens is pretty cool. Like this second version of HoloLens, if you've ever looked through one, it, there's a real problem with the field of view being too narrow, but it, you can you can see how this would immediately 
be very impactful, especially for the the ways they use it for you know factory workers and stuff like that, where you don't have to pull up manuals and all this. So you can keep looking at what you're doing and bring up something that is anchored to the machine you're working on or whatever. There's a lot of really cool applications that work, but like you said, it's too expensive and it's not good enough and it's not ready for regular people. We know Apple's working on one that will maybe not in version one, but eventually be ready for regular people. And when, what yeah, do you think? When, or, or, or really also if, because I mean, as you say, the, the big thing is price, like HoloLens costs like three grand. I, I mean, obviously Apple can't sell a pair of glasses for $3,000. I mean, maybe they could, maybe some people would bite, but you know, it has, and realistically it has to be $500 or less and do all the things that we wanted to do. Oh, all right. Oh, hard, you? hard disagree. They could easily make it a thousand. A thousand? At least the, the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually driving down to be, you know, something else that's the uh, price of your phone or something. But yeah, they could, uh, version one, they, they would sell millions of them at $9.99. Hmm, maybe. Not 70 million or something, but, but four or five million or something, you know. I think they can get away with removing a lot of the costs by doing like Magic Leap did. By ha- Magic Leap had all the processing happened in this like big round puck thing that you kind of wore on your belt or in a large pocket or something. And it had a tether going to the back of the headset. And the headset was like, you know, pair of goggles kind of thing. They could do something like that where it plugs into the lightning port of your phone, your phone's in your pocket, your phone's doing all the heavy lifting for the processing. And the headset is just it and using maybe even using your phone's battery but the headset is essentially just accelerometers and and the display stuff and then they could get the price way down and then future versions would start to integrate all the core technology into the glasses in some way where you don't need the tether anymore either that or they get fast enough wireless technology <laughs> there's a lot uh, of data that needs to pass very very in very, very low latency. So I don't think a wireless tether it works yet, but maybe. Uh, very much like like the original Apple Watch where most of the, like you needed, not only did you, did you need a phone, but it was basically worthless if it wasn't nearby. It did it did most of the stuff. It did all, like all the apps were on the phone and it pushed it to the, to the watch. So yeah, something like that would be similar. I just, I mean, I don't know. Like if it did that and it did it relatively well, I mean, is that worth a thousand bucks? When you know you're going to have to maybe buy a new one in two years, <laughs> it all depends on what the experiences are, and and you know, I, I, for a lot of people, no, but there are a billion iPhone owners out there, and you don't need to get, you only need to get like up to the top fraction of the top one percent to to sell a few million and get the developers on board and and figure out just like the Apple Watch, really figure out the software, get the next big revision of the OS that changes the way things work and narrows the focus and gets it all streamlined. We've been hearing it's coming sort of next year for about two or three years now. <laughs> Every time the rumor updates, it's like another year out. And and the rumors always seem to indicate that Apple is working very hard on it. If anything is their next sort of Apple Watch or AirPods or whatever, like their next major sort of category of product, it's that, but they don't seem to have figured out how to make it a consumer product yet. Yeah. And I mean, the tech doesn't really seem to be there. Tim, Tim Cook has said numerous times over the last several years that AR is where Apple wants to go. We've seen AR kit, we've seen iPad, LiDAR cameras on the iPhone, all that stuff. 
but as you say like it, it's it's really not there and like we don't see it from anybody like there's a you know for example samsung will have something once the technology is viable we'll see a first gen product from samsung that's not great but it's pretty interesting and then four years later, Apple will have one of their own and they'll do it better. That's that's the way Apple kind of operates. If Apple were to come out with a pair of AR glasses first with, with nothing else out there, that would surprise me. It's not like Samsung was several years ahead on AirPods or something. It depends on whether or not Apple's going to rely on sort of commodity tech or if they're really going to have be the only one with a display that works the way their display works, right? The big problems left to solve, if you were going to do a tethered AR thing, are things like field of view. And just making size and weight even less than they are. They're kind of these big things that you put on your head with like a shield in front of your eyes. It's kind of a lot getting that down. All that stuff is happening, but I think their bigger challenge is software. Is is they they need a gotta have it experience. They need a thing that when you put it on and you look at it, when you're done with the technical technological wow factor of oh, this is so neat. Why do you still want to put this on your face every day and use it every day? What's the built-in app that you got to have? The iPhone had like two or three of those and that pushes things in that direction. I, I, I don't know what that is for AR other than maps and directions, which is not something that people always use constantly. Yeah, we, we, we see a glimpse of that. iOS 15 has AR walking directions. So if you're, go, if you're walking somewhere, you can flip on... AR directions and it overlays the directions on the street, which is neat. Um, as you say, that's not something you need every day. It's not a killer application in the sense that we have many ways to get to where we need to get without that. And you know what the iPhone brought in 2007, first of all, maps, like GPS was confined to a car or a laptop. Like it put it in, into our hands. Email, web, I mean, web. There were maps on other smartphones and stuff, and it was MapQuest or something, or you went to the Google Maps site. Something. This was like a Google Maps app that was fast and smooth, and you could scroll around and zoom in. And oh, it was just, it was so many steps ahead of everyone else. And, you know, full email, full websites, even. Yeah. The web experience was dramatically better. And then the phone. People cared about the phone and it had this like visual voicemail and stuff like that. <laughs> just everybody else, we don't remember that back when that came out. If you wanted to check your voicemail, you dialed a phone number and then like it and it said you have six messages and you went through a pin number and you listened to them all in order and you hit the button. Like that, that's iPhone did away with that from day one and it was a complete transformation. And so, yeah, they need they need that, but for AR, they need something where it's like you've been doing this the wrong way, and you don't even know it. <laughs> like, and now you can put this on your head, and it's a, a game changer. And I think that's more than anything else. That's going to be the holdup for them getting this. Yeah, when the Apple Watch came out, you know, it was a while before people kind of went, "Oh, this is a good device to monitor my health." And then Apple kind of, you know, went all the way in on the health aspect of that. The other thing about Apple Glass, glasses, whatever they're going to call them, is, well, we don't know yet, but how how does the interactivity work with it? Will there be any interactivity with that you can work with? I mean, with? there has to be, but to some degree, but there, I think there's going to be a lot of Siri 
<laughs> and and then the question is, do they do things like are they going to use a um, lidar like thing to do hand mapping and let you do hand gestures in front, or are you going to have to like pull out your iPhone and tap your iPhone to control things that aren't just turning your head and and talking to Siri and stuff? Um, I my guess is on the hand gestures stuff. The the Hololens actually already does that pretty well. And you've got to do a certain amount of at least near field 3D mapping to do AR properly. And if you can do that, you can do uh, pretty gross hand gesture stuff. Like, you know, you may not get like individual finger movements and all that other stuff and type on a virtual keyboard or any of that, but you can do like broad gestures. And it would not surprise me if Apple already is like committed to a, a set of simple gestures that it teaches you to use and like, this is how you close an app and this is how you, whatever. My guess is Siri is going to be a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. Siri. Um, I mean, definitely asking for things, directions, menus, whatever you're looking at. But I mean, the the real kind of innovative revolutionary stuff would be if you could like just swipe stuff away with your hand and, and you know, grab and twist and turn and, and you know, like that, that needs to be part of it. And as you say, like that's, that's, kind of part of hololens's appeal that you can like physically grab things in, that are virtual again like we've written about this we've talked about it i don't really know what that killer application is like there's nothing i'm doing in my day-to-day life where i'm saying man i wish i didn't have to pull out my iphone to do that i wish i could just look up and see it so i, I mean i don't know maybe, maybe it doesn't exist maybe this is all a pipe dream maybe apple's you know working on it and figuring and and just says you know what it's not something that we're going to invest time and energy into doing. I mean, I think there's, I don't know exactly how this would work, but I think um, a, a telepresence talking to people would, would be huge, right? Like I, I'm imagining a FaceTime where I point my iPhone, I set up I, at myself somewhere and I just point it in my room, pointing at me and, you know, with the LiDAR and stuff, it just makes a 3D face map of me and my body in motion. And then the person on the other end with their AR glasses sees that in reality in front of them at life size. They're not talking to a video of me on a screen. They're talking to what is essentially a holographic projection of me. That That's a pretty big, that, that taps into like some emotional lizard brain center of your brain where you feel a connection with people the way that you don't just in a video chat. I don't know how hard that is technologically to make that happen. They already do all this sort of live 3D face mapping and and you see Snapchat filters and stuff that like literally change people's faces with like 3D stuff mapped onto it and all this. So I I don't know. I mean, an an emoji, memoji, whatever you want to call it, that kind of does. That kind of thing kind of does something similar. So, so just if once you can do the AR projection into 3D space, like, I don't know that, that that's that big of a leap. Apple has the leg up on everyone in doing this just because of the sort of FaceTime infrastructure, right? Making a FaceTime call where you don't have to do anything special except tap the AR button for how are you going to listen to this or watch this? Yeah. So that, that seems like maybe a killer app for people. That's, that's that next level of phone call that, and like you said, the mapping stuff seems obvious to me, if they could driving directions is almost better. If I could be driving around and just have like the green arrow, like in my field of view on the road and all, and all that other stuff. But I don't know if Apple would touch that for years after AR comes out as a safety thing. Like you're wearing something that puts graphics in front of your face while you're driving. How do you know it's safe? How do you know you're not 
playing a game while you're driving or whatever. I mean, speaking to the car, you know, I mean, that's that's also what Apple is working on. There's the rumor that will never die. I, I think one of the part of the reasons why the Apple car rumor won't die is because people really, really want to see it. Everybody, everybody wants that moment where Tim Cook or whoever drives the car onto the stage. <laughs> everybody wants that. That and uh, we keep seeing public job postings for people who work on car technology. And it's always stated in some vague way where it's like they could not be making a car, but they're clearly working on something involving cars that's beyond CarPlay. But they do have cars that are registered. California requires self-driving cars to like register the testing and stuff. And Apple does have a number of them out there. So those aren't all those cars with like LiDAR and cameras on them aren't just doing high res maps for their flyover and stuff. There are some that they are clearly testing autonomous driving software. The question is, well, will it ever be released or is it all part of a research project into AI? And further than that, will there ever be an actual Apple car? Car that is the Apple car. I, I mean, I, I'm inclined to say no, but I mean, who knows? Apple is a, the biggest company in the world. If they, if, if anyone could could try to make a car and fail at it, they certainly have the resources to, to do that. Try it for a little while. My guess is Apple will Apple will never manufacture a car. Their own car, yeah. They don't even manufacture their own almost anything, right? <laughs> but will they have a contract manufacturer for a car? Which, is- which we've heard we've heard rumors that they were partnering with Hyundai and other companies. So yeah, the, uh- right. So there's I guess there's there's a couple of different paths. One is one is they manufacture their own car and their own plant stuff. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. The other is they take the same approach they do with iPhones and Macs and stuff like that, where like Flextronics or somebody like they have a, a company that is a manufacturing company that manufactured, they fully design it. It's sold and owned by them. You buy it from Apple and, but it's just manufactured by somebody else. And I guess the third one is that you buy a Hyundai or something like that, that is an exclusive model made by Hyundai with Apple designers and Apple software and stuff like that. And it's, it's quote the Apple car, but only colloquially it's the Hyundai, whatever. And it's made in partnership with Apple and it's, you buy it from them and they manufacture it. And Apple's just involved in the design and software. I think if Anything happens, that's the likely approach. I mean, on yeah, logistically it seems likely, but as you know, knowing how Apple operates, that seems highly not something that they would want to do because you know they're dependent on someone else for doing all of the stuff that people care about. The experience is the car, and then they're building stuff on top of that. And if it's going to be an actual, you know, Apple branded thing. I don't know if they would. That's what I'm saying. I don't think control. it's necessarily going to be an Apple branded thing. I think it would be the the Hyundai something, some new brand from Hyundai, and with Apple, blah blah blah. It's gonna, you know, or it's gonna be in partnership with Apple or something. It's not gonna be the iCar or something. They, they tried. <laughs> they did something like that with Volkswagen a while back. I don't know if it was like a special edition model, maybe something that never came out. But there was something that that had like iPod and iPod integration and and you know back yeah, when, but that back was before that was a thing. Yeah, that and that was very that was just fully a Volkswagen that they just yeah integrated some iPod software. I'm I'm thinking this is something where Apple would actually be involved in the design With of the like car. The navig- oh, okay. The actual so not just the it's a partnership, inside. not just the yeah, not just the the computer parts. The 
the literal way the car looks and feels and seats and and all that stuff. But they're gonna they build it with a partnership because the other part is distribution. How do you sell a car to people? How do you get it to people's things? You can't. Apple stores are not gonna do it. Like you can't go pick up your car at an Apple store. You could follow the, the the Tesla model. I mean, they've been the most successful at that without having dealerships all over the place. Well, they they're not dealerships, but they are Tesla stores that have cars like the apple stores don't have places to store dozens and dozens of cars for people to come pick up right <laughs> so, yeah, they, so they, they would have to build a whole new system they have to build a whole new thing right yeah so and i don't think that that's that's a lot for a company who doesn't even manufacture most of their own products to take on so i think any way that it happens it happens in partnership with somebody who's already got like a, a distribution network of a car distribution network not just car manufacturing, car distribution. That's the hard, mm-hmm. that's the thing Apple's going to want to like get a leapfrog on. And if this, if it doesn't happen, it's 100% because Apple wants too much control and the car manufacturer doesn't want to give up this much control over everything, pricing, everything. Like Apple's going to want control over everything. It's all going to be a negotiation over. And I, I could see that being a major stumbling block because it, that's not how, that's not how that industry works. We'll continue with the show in a moment. First, a word from our sponsor. Declutter is a fast, free, and environmentally friendly way to sell your mobile phone, iPad, Apple Watch, and much more. Visit macworld.com slash trade-in to get cash for your device and use the code MACWORLD10, that's MACWORLD10, to get 10% extra on your trade-in. Declutter. It's smart for you, smart for the planet. Now, back to the show. To me, the Hyundai partnership seems odd. It doesn't seem like a car manufacturer fits the Apple profile. And I, not, and I know people will say, oh, BMW or something like that, but that's almost too easy, too. It's just, yeah. I, the, the rumors we heard about Hyundai were that they were looking to use one of their plants to build stuff. Like, I, would, I, I agree. I would be shocked if there was a Hyundai Apple car like that. I mean, not that I, I have a Hyundai. I, li- I like Hyundai. It just doesn't seem like, like Roman says, like that's part of like the Apple brand. And I don't know if Lexus or Porsche or, 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 or any of those are either. They're all very specific brands and Apple would kind of be glomming onto what they've already established. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to work for me, but I mean, what, what do I know? I'm not saying that, that, you know, Jason's wrong because He's, you know, he, you're absolutely correct in the fact that Apple just can't snap their fingers and, and build a car distribution system. Certainly not without anybody knowing. <laughs> and they can't even just do it in a couple of years. Like it takes, especially a company so global and all this other stuff. Like it's a massive undertaking, and that's that's assuming they can even get the cars built. Just getting them out to everybody. If you solve all that, <laughs> then there's like. Everything else that comes with building service and, and everything, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> service and recalls and accidents, and it's just it's a it's a it's a it's a lot there. But it's worth noting that that Hyundai is a, a big motor group that that has like Ionic and Kia and Genesis Motor and stuff like that, and they are one of the biggest manufacturers in the world. So it would not surprise me if they spun off another sub brand for this partnership. It wouldn't be like the Hyundai Elantra with Apple. Like it, it's not, Apple's never going to go for that. But if Apple had a hand in designing a special new car that Hyundai manufactured and you 
bought and purchased from Hyundai dealers and stuff like that. Like that I could see just in exactly the same way that they sold the iPhone only through AT&T. Right. I mean, Hyundai does make um, a Genesis, which is basically its own luxury line. It's not, it doesn't say Hyundai on it. It has its own logo. It has its own design, its own everything. Um, I, I Also, none of this is going to happen anytime soon. Even the, the path of least resistance is several years out. So future tech, I, I do think it's far more likely that Apple develops a lot of very cool technology, like whether it's autonomous driving or other internal stuff that they end up licensing, not licensing per se, not like the way that you would license Windows or people license the BlackBerry QNX system for cars or something, but they, they car manufacturers end up building into their cars, certain models. Uh, that seems way more likely than Apple building a whole car. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's kind of somewhat underappreciated in the, the pantheon of Apple stuff, uh, recent stuff, but CarPlay was pretty innovative and kind of changed the way we use our phones in our car and those navigation yeah. systems. Yep. I mean, now everybody supports it. It's, you know, you don't even, I don't even look at my, my car's navigation anymore. I plug in my iPhone and, and, and I'm off. And I, my guess is, you know, 70% of people, that's what they're doing. And, you know, Android has it as well now. Before I got my Tesla, like it was the same way. I couldn't stand to drive my car without plugging my phone in. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stand my regular. And every, I've not seen a single car. I looked at every new car with a new big old screen and stuff. And the, the software is terrible. And I'd rather use CarPlay. Since you're, since you're name dropping your, your Tesla, uh, do you miss it in, in your Tesla? Or is, or is their navigation system good enough? Tesla's the only in-car software stuff I've used where I feel like, oh, they did a good job. Okay. Like it's where it's actually smooth and fast and the maps are good. It's all licensed Google Maps. So it's always up to date with that stuff. And the navigation is good and you can use voice to talk to it. And it supports several different streaming mm-hmm. services and stuff. And you can always just Bluetooth your phone if you want to play music through your phone. But So what do you think we'll see first, an Apple car or a folding iPhone? I mean, if we're, if we're playing that game, the folding iPhone, but... Um, you think Apple will actually go there? I think they're working on it. I'm sure there's prototypes. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't see the point yet. Like it's cool. A, a folding phone is cool. I've, I've, I've tried out the Samsung ones and they're, they're definitely cool. There's a wow factor there. Once you get past that, I don't know what I'm benefiting by having a phone that opens up into a larger thing. Yeah. Almost never. I would love a small iPad that became a bigger iPad. Sure. And I don't, I have absolutely no use for like a, a phone that just folds up to go in my pocket or gets to be a smaller, slightly bigger phone. Like, yeah, that's, there's too many compromises. You, we've talked about it before, you, making it thicker and all the other things that you have to give up by putting a hinge on this thing for something that's supposed to go in your pocket. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you though, that there's no doubt in my mind that they're not looking very closely at all this display technology and designing hinges and, and trying to figure out like the best way to make this work because they don't want to be caught with a multi-year research project ahead of them. If all of a sudden people decide they really want and need a folding phone. 
Right, which is kind of what happened with the smart speaker stuff. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to get home potted. Right. I've tried them. I've used them. When you use it, you kind of feel like, okay, this could be a future tech. This could be something that's useful. But it's 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 hard to divorce yourself of the fact that we've been using phones for 10 years. We're taking them out of our, our, our pocket. We start using them to, to get to the point where we, we have it and then we open it to do what? To do like to do like what you have to like you take it out of your pocket now I better have another hand ready to, so I can unfold it and then uh, it's too big to hold in one hand now and then over except there's the smaller flip ones where it doesn't do me any benefit while it's closed and open you're opening it to about the size of a regular phone and okay it's a little bit a little bit smaller to to carry I guess but. We don't care anymore about that. Like we've been carrying six inches, six inch rectangles for for years. Nobody's buying the minis as it is. Like nobody cares that. I mean, the the people who care really care. They're vocal about it, but like the market doesn't care about that. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. And then you you suffer all this stuff with durability of like hinges. Yeah, it's hard to make things like sufficiently water and dust proof and you can't you're splitting the battery into two halves in two places and all this other ah and the 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 screen itself is obviously different because you can't fold the same glass that we have on our phones now so it's like it it, it, like it scratches easier and it it, it feels a bit more kind of like buoyant almost it's just it's a it's a weird the whole thing is not great and even when it's closed so now like the samsung galaxy fold uh three it's like 17 millimeters thick. So it's basically like holding two two phones together, yeah. which if you've done, it's, it's not comfortable. The screen is is narrower and, and, and a little bit taller than, than it should be because of the way it opens and the ratios and the aspects. And it's just like, uh, there's so many compromises, not to mention it's 1800 bucks. For all, yeah, all of that. And then it's like the price of buying two phones. But, you know, it's like I said, it's cool. And I understand why Samsung is investing in this. In fact, they... I don't know if they canceled it, but they skipped the note this year. So they're pushing this as like their productivity phone, which the note was always kind of irrelevant or or not irrelevant, uh, more redundant because the S20 is the same thing with just without the pen. So that like, like there, there, was n- there was never like this super duper need to have a note, but now they're saying, okay, this is our productivity phone here. They, they made an S pen specifically for it. Um, it opens up and you can do this and that and three apps at once and, and, and uh, better cameras and stuff. And I would, I would like to see Apple figure this one out too, probably more so than even the AR stuff. Because I think there could be a use case. I think it could be, you know, the prices have come down a bit already. Samsung, uh, the first one was like twenty two hundred bucks. Now it's eighteen. So you know, it's still a lot, but it's significantly less. The the flip is 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 a thousand. So the prices are coming down. The the devices themselves are definitely getting better. Whereas they they feel more viable and they're they're sturdier, they're stronger. I mean, the first ones were, I mean, it was literally like the reviewers are like, what the hell is this? Because they like they all broke. It's definitely getting better. And, and it's we, we've kind of reached the point where you would expect Apple or someone to come in and say, okay, here's how it's supposed to be done. I still just struggle to think of of how it gets beyond being anything other than cool. Like how do what do I what do I get to do with it when it's unfolded that I couldn't do with it? folded or with just like a regular non-folding phone. Like I, I, I just, it doesn't solve a problem. Whereas the AR stuff, like it, I, we don't see what the killer app is, but it's so clearly different that this, it seems obvious that there'd be a, other use cases for it. It's like a di- completely different thing. 
Yeah, the only problem a folding phone solves is the size problem that I guess some people have. They want a smaller phone. But it doesn't even, the, the Galaxy Fold isn't that much, isn't any smaller. No. It's just, but the flip is. The flip is, yes. Right. So, but it makes it smaller in one way, but yeah, it's thick now. Now it's twice as thick. And is that okay? I guess. And it's also wonky. Like you're dealing with a very tall, skinny display. So the things that you're used to doing look differently. They feel different than the keyboard's skinnier. It's just, you know, there's some sacrifices there. I tell you what, Apple will have a better game, a better name than the Galaxy Z Fold 3. I can tell you that much. (laughs) So... Maybe we won't see a folding phone soon, but maybe we'll see a portless phone. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the most obvious next step for the iPhone. I mean, we got MagSafe, we have wireless charging. There's no headphone jack. The only port that's on there is basically for charging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think they kind of have on some models of cars, I believe. Oh, yeah, it's getting more yeah, and more. It's, it's um, becoming the, a thing. They need... They would need a solution for people who don't have wireless CarPlay in their car, a USB dongle you can plug in. That I mean, would, Mac, MagSafe, maybe? Would that be able to transmit data? I don't know. No. Uh, but how does that get in your car? Like you own a car that doesn't have wireless, that has CarPlay, not wireless CarPlay. Yeah, I'm thinking most cars have, I mean, you're, you're well, you're, so MagSafe to USB, but I guess that would that would just be for it would, show, it would go one direction, you not just, the other direction. Just be wireless. Just plug in a dongle, just like a wireless mouse. Just you just plug in a dongle that does the radio transmission for the wireless CarPlay. It would need some sort of thing like that because people don't replace their cars enough that that you could be like, well, just get a wireless CarPlay car. You know, that's not that's not a solution for people. Yeah, it seems the most obvious in the way that they remove the headphone jack and stuff like that. Um, the EU keeps threatening to make a new law that says all the phones have to have the same charge port. It's like two years now that they keep saying that this is going to happen. And then of course there'll be a transition period and stuff, but if they do that, it's not going to be lightning, right? It's going to be USB-C or something like it. And that would force Apple to do USB-C on their phones, or they might be able to get around it by just having nothing. My biggest concern is that wireless charging is not great. It's always slower. It's always slower. Like you can say, well, they can make it faster. They can make it twice as fast and it would be slower. It would, it's, you know, and, and they can make wired charging keeps getting faster too. It's always slower, but it's also a, a lot of overhead. You lose a lot in that transmission. If, you, if you're trying to wirelessly charge your phone at 20 Watts, you, you're going to draw 30 Watts from the wall by the time you go through the adapter and the wireless transmission, like it's not, and that's bad for the environment. Like why would you use a charging standard where you like give up all this um, power to the ether to do nothing. Right. So that's, I worry a lot about that. I worry a lot about wireless charging bearing our only option. Yeah, um, Android phones, a couple of manufacturers have like super fast uh, wireless charging, like 45 watts, I think OnePlus has, but they also have 100 watt wired charging <laughs> on the Android side. Right. And the 45 watts is like a below 20% char- state of charge when it's cold out and all these other things. 
Uh, and then, you know, you do that and you're like, it's 45 watt charging, but you don't actually get 45 watts to the phone. Like it's a 45 watt charger, but the phone only charges again. You give up a third of that, but you know, it's everything about it is it's, it's a convenient replacement for not charging your phone. I put my phone down on my desk and it's not charging. I put my phone down on my desk and it is charging because I put it on a wireless charging pad. It's good for that. It's not good as a, oh no, my phone's low on charge and I need to, to catch the flight and my flight's going to be boarding in 20 minutes. I better charge it. It's terrible for that. Even if it's faster, it's just terrible for that. So I don't want them to get rid of it unless there's some incredible advancement in wireless charging that both makes it much faster throughout the entire charging process, but also much more efficient about you know not just giving up a lot of overhead that doesn't actually end up charging your phone you also need to worry about or think about like if you're out somewhere you you know right now you can take a plug plug it in and it's a small little thing you have with you in your, in your bag or whatever it is you're at the airport as you say you plug it into a full you know now you're worried about carrying a magsafe charger or a wireless charging pad or something that's not just a simple usb ck uh, uh cable you know a smaller issue but you know it's not like stores most stores have wireless charging pads just hanging around you know they all have outlets though so you're dealing with that it's yeah there's a there's a lot of questions uh there's been a couple of prototype android phones that have done the portless thing and they're always like you know no one pays attention to them (laughs) The, the the other thing is people do use that port for for data you know, and we would have to solve that issue as well, like USB drives, uh, photos, ca- camera attachments, uh, cooking it up to a projector, things like that also have to be have to be solved. So it's not just as simple as, well, now you got to charge your phone a different way. True. Yeah. Although that's less, I think, yeah. I mean, there's Wi-Fi Direct, there's Bluetooth and, um, and ultra wideband. Ultra wideband is actually a great data, short range data transmission. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if MagSafe, because MagSafe's got that one NFC antenna so that you can identify what you hook up to it. Like, I keep waiting for that to be used for anything other than like making your, that little colored animation going, you put on a case of this color. Like, I'm waiting for them to be used that for something. So maybe that's the long term solution there. But yeah, I wonder if MagSafe is a pre- precursor to that because. I mean, it's been kind of underwhelming. They released basically nothing at the start and then hasn't really done much with it since other than that smart battery case, which is like, all right, whatever. It's like the same thing, but a little bit, a little bit different. You know, there, there hasn't been like a, a, oh, now I see why they're doing this because it's got to be more than just a, 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 a magnet to store your credit cards. I mean, it's. Yeah. Apple really hasn't. Apple's supposed to take the lead on this stuff to show third parties what you can do with it. And they haven't made anything that isn't already out there, but with magnets sticking it on. Like there's no sort of smart connection. There's no, oh, it it identifies it's this product and then does something special to it. Like not really. Uh, And and there really needs to be that, but maybe MagSafe too has a whole framework and a whole communication standard. And it's like a big thing. I don't know. It just, yeah, it seems like it's, 
It's it's underwhelming right they now. They can make a case that has another screen on it. <laughs> and then voila, we have a folding iPhone. <laughs> yeah. So it, that's it's weird because like that's kind of the, to me, that would be the most disappointing future advancement, but it's also kind of the most likely to happen anytime soon, <laughs> like within the next few years. Yeah. I could see like iPhone 16, maybe being, being doing that. I mean, that's, that's kind of Apple's dream forever to have no ports, no cables on anything. It's been, it's yeah, been that no way for a while. No buttons, ports, yeah. cables, or buttons. Fewer of every, all those things. <laughs> so once Apple figures out the wireless charging thing, will they also figure out how to make the Apple Watch battery last longer? Yeah. Well, I think they, they absolutely know how to do that. They just, they're stubbornly refusing to. Yeah. How did, I mean... They're not going to go with the e-ink display. Those are bad. They're going to stick with OLED. They already use an LPTO backlight. So like, what do they need to do? Just have like a much lower performance SOC. Yeah. Like what's, I think, what's I, the battery hall? That right would now? seem to be the big, the big, because like Fitbits can get five, six days on their fuller featured smartwatches. And, you know, you can tell you're not using an Apple Watch. The performance is is so much lower. The apps are so much more rudimentary. What it does is so much less. You know, that that's not the game Apple's playing. Yeah, I would love to see every new S chip. They call them the S S four, S five, whatever. The, yeah, system in package. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they. I would love to see those. Um, for the next several years, get no faster. All they do is use less power. Exact same performance we have in the, you know, Series Six today, and then just no. Uh, every every advancement in manufacturing technology and design and everything is all about just getting more power out of it. And I think if they did that for a few years, they would get to the point where they can get a few more days. They could get to something like, you know, four or five days. Because I think that's a, a seriously Apple Watch's biggest problem. Hard to complain about Apple Watch when it's by far by far the most highest selling smartwatch in the world. But like I think that's its problem is that it, you can't. It wants to do sleep tracking. It wants to do all this fitness stuff. It wants to remind you of things all day. But you can't wear it all day and all night. It's it's not it's not got that. Nobody wants to take it off every day and charge it every day for a couple hours. So it really needs that several day battery life. A sort of makeshift solution would be to offer a different modes. Whereas right now we have that power reserve mode, but it doesn't, it shuts everything off. It's just basically the time. Uh, if they had one where it was just like maybe step tracking time, date, uh, something else, you know, or just the watch face, like a, like a fully featured watch that the app should have, you know, and things like that, like, like various modes that, that extended the battery life to like a weekend where you're not getting the full thing. It's not updating every, every two seconds or whatever it is that might help other, other watches do, do that. But do people really want to, and, and will they change modes and stuff? Or is it that everyone just leaves everything on default? It would have to like smartly change modes based on what you're doing at the time. I don't know. They, there's, there's, <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to find the way for Apple to solve that problem without giving up on this idea that like the Apple watch is basically a phone on your wrist. <laughs> um, but, but it, on the other hand, you know, 
it seems like their future is new kinds of sensors and not necessarily making it faster. So maybe it will, maybe it's just the idea there as they go forward, maybe they'll just stop making them run faster and start making them last longer. Yeah. I don't know what kind of, like if that, if that's a pain point for people or they've just, we've reached the point where you just charge it. I mean, people take their watches off normally, even though this one does sleep tracking. So yeah, I got to figure that out. But, um, you know, it's the question of what's, so what would, what would you want the battery life to be? Is two days enough? Well, no, I I mean, I think you've got to, it's got to be at least the kind of thing where you feel like you're charging it occasionally. You you just leave it on all the time because it's doing all your health and sleep tracking and everything. And then every few days, like a good five days or something sounds good to me. You're like, oh, it's warning me that my battery is low. And then you put it on a charger for an hour. Like that it's got to get to that point where charging feels like something you do occasionally, not daily. Yeah. Fitbit feels that way. Fitbit feels like, yeah, charging isn't a daily occurrence. It's a sometimes thing you do, you know? Yeah. Fitbit uh, average of like five days on their stuff. But again, you're missing out on a lot of what makes the Apple watch, the Apple watch. Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 756. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks to Declutter for sponsoring the podcast. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast and the podcast app on Spotify or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com. Or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next Macworld podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.